Uh, I wanted to address the paparazzi leaks. <laughs> what, what paparazzi leaks? So they've been going on for a while, and I know you have not addressed them at all, but I want to confront you on this. I mean, they're everywhere. Of me. <laughs> well, so it's speculated that it's you, and I'm a hardcore, like, I'm full on in it. Like, I, I'm in, in this conspiracy. It's just pictures of your dick. No, uh, no pictures of you, but it's just your dick, and everyone thinks it's you. Solid, solid. Is it just like it's because it's unbearably small, or like? <laughs> no, it, it has been described as handsome. Handsome. Which, <laughs> that is the the running handsome. comment on your cock. Wow. And it's everywhere. Like, I feel like I can't go online without seeing that. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's just like it, the QAnon forms I'm, that I'm on. I'm, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna confirm nor deny whether these alleged pictures that I have not seen <laughs> are in fact my penis or not. That's my comment at this time. You heard it here first on 107 The Jort. Um, Michael Shahiber from Sherbert Productions. It may or may not be his penis. Thank you, Michael, for coming on the show. You're welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Just drop me off right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Next exit. Yeah. Um, so uh, first thing that we want to talk to you about, how the fuck have you been, man? Well, what have you been up to? Give us a give us a little rundown. Um, kind of the same old, same old. I would say I uh, just making just making a lot of movies, kind of learning learning my craft in the most meticulous way I can. Like, there's no role too big or too small that I haven't said yes to and I think saying yes to everything just allows me to learn everything and so that's kind of just where my head's been at for a while doing a lot of school work too and it's kind of it you know absolutely um so I mean I should ask then what what are projects that you'll say no to what where where is the line yeah you know where is your like can't get involved with this I mean I think anything that I read and feels like inherently I guess like insensitive like I don't want to be bunched into something that feels like it's being made for the wrong reasons you know like I don't want to offend anybody I don't want to I think in a simpler answer I don't I, I don't know I mean I'll say I'll, I'll say yes to anything yeah. I'll say yes to anything I mean, so, except when it comes to your dick. Okay. <laughs> that, except, that's where it's like... Except that, I guess that would be the line. It's Let's like go there. That QAnon shit. Yeah. And also, one thing one thing that is on the line that you will do is you'll say the F slur in your films, which is, it's kind of like you have a Clint Eastwood approach to it. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like every movie you find a way to just slip it in there. I don't, I don't know if I've ever <laughs> slipped it in there, but, you know... And I will say, is that because you're abiding to kind of like the the gay, the bureau of the gays, their 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 standards of if you're bisexual, you get one F slur per fiscal quarter, but they don't roll over like minutes. So like each film, you know, you get to slip one in. Is, is that a law? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you want to say more, you have to go in front of the board. And you I have to be like, you know, I'm I, I'm just learning all of this, but I'll take notes. It's only for the buys. Okay, so do, I guess so. Yeah. Doesn't even apply to me then. No, or? I don't think it applies to you. But <laughs> do you, I, I guess the question I'm getting at is, do you think it's appropriate that Clint Eastwood always says the N word? Because that shocked me as I watched more and more of his films. You know, 
Does Clint Eastwood say the N-word a lot? Does he? he? Does. <laughs> it's actually crazy. Is it like a, a consistent... It's a, it's a pretty... Like, I, here's the thing. I think you should never... If you are not black, you do not have the right to say the N-word. In a script, your job as an actor is to portray a role... And so if Clint Eastwood is portraying maybe a racist asshole in a film, I would say, and again, maybe this is not my place to say, but I would say that it is okay for him to play that role to show the dastardliness of it. Whether or not Clint Eastwood is walking around (laughs) uh, on 7th Street dropping the N-word, that's neither here nor there, and I don't know if he does. If he does, then that is a problem that should probably get addressed. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah, that would definitely make headlines, I think. Uh, yeah, no, I... So, <laughs> it's just more that I've always been into, like, cowboy films. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so, Westerns, obviously, yeah. you know, Clint Eastwood is a you know big part of that. You know, definitely one of the more prominent figures when it comes to Western films. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I've just noticed this pattern where he'll sneak it in and I'm just like, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> it, yeah. it literally feels like four out of five films. Well, it's like so, Tarantino. Tarantino yeah. says the N-word a lot in his films and it's yeah. funny because um, he'll write the script. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. He'll, he'll write the script and then the white character that says the n-word it just happens to always be him <laughs> <laughs> that okay maybe that's who i'm thinking of maybe not clint eastwood yeah i don't i was, <laughs> it might be say, I was a little shocked yeah. that it was clint eastwood is dropping these hard research yeah i might have needed to research that question better okay so tarantino then same question now tarantino yes i guess it changes when it's tarantino because yeah. he writes the scripts doesn't he? yeah um all I can say is that he makes some damn good movies. He does. And it's not my place to say whether he is in the wrong or not. That's fair. So, um, speaking of, like, actors and directors uh, doing insane shit, Alec Baldwin. I yeah. really want to... I mean, obviously, you know, this is old, dead news. But um, I thought it'd be super cool to talk to you about... <laughs> like what the fuck was going on there what are your thoughts on that as someone that's been around like sets have you ever had crazy so I guess just one question of a time at a time what what was it like to hear that this happened it was it was shocking because um, I was hanging out with my friend Dalton and um, we were just chilling and he just screams out like oh my god Alec Baldwin just killed someone. <laughs> and I, I was like, I don't even know how to process that, but I, I looked at the news and it, it's really sad, man, especially because, you know, one person was injured, one person fatally wounded, unfortunately. And yeah. it, uh, it just comes down to someone didn't do their job. And I didn't like, they're, okay. So. It's not directly Alec's fault. He, no, it's, it, I would even go as far as to say it's, I would I would go as far as to say it's not Alex's fault at all. Mm. Um, granted, he there are steps again an actor needs to take, so I guess he does share some some blame. But I think a lot of the blame should be going to the prop master because you when you work with guns, there's specific protocols you have to use when you're on a set, and that is those protocols are the same whether the gun is fake or whether the gun is real. Yeah. Um, and there is a 
I don't, I cannot remember what the job title's name is specifically, but it's either like something like an ar- I think an armorist, mm. or maybe maybe the table is called the armory, but there is a table that is laid out flat with all the weapons on it. And when those weapons are placed down on the table, the person in charge of the armory um, checks every gun to make sure that they are unloaded, whether they're real or fake. And then they put them on the table. And someone stands at that table the entire time. That table's never left unattended. Yeah, yeah. And then before they use the weapon, the prop master checks it again. The person who runs like the armory checks it again. And it is the role of the actor as well to also make sure, to my knowledge, again, I am just a college student. I don't know (laughs) how accurate this information is, but this is what I remember learning about in school. Um, that the actor would also check it as well. And so there's so many places there where it could have been checked and um, they could have saved a life um, and that just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. So even with like fake guns, like I said, like someone, if you leave the table unattended, the guns can be switched out for a real gun. Um, And it's unfortunate, like this isn't the first time this has happened. Like um, Bruce Lee died the same way. Uh, really? Wait, that's crazy. I didn't know I, that. I, yeah, Bru- Bruce Lee died the same way. I'm I'm not positive, but I think maybe his son died the same way. Wow. Oh, um, so yeah, that's it's crazy. yeah, it's 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 unfortunate, and at the end of the day, it just comes with a lack of planning. And I think when you're taking up a project that has weaponry like this and has any form of weaponry, like like as I said, even fake weapons there's a certain level of responsibility that you need to be willing to take up. Yeah, and for, and, like, precaution, like, getting exactly. prepared. Yeah, absolutely. So, whether or not that didn't happen that day, it's it's unfortunate all around. Yeah, what so... What is your... Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, is, no, go for what it. What is your opinion on using real things? Like, I mean, it depends on... The, like, like, real weapons? Yeah, real weapons. Because, um, I mean, I guess it depends on your budget as well. Uh, yeah. And what's the point? So, I think... Using real weapons has a place and a purpose. And I'll give an example. Um, have you guys seen the new Robert Pattinson Batman movie? I have, yeah, yeah. So there's a... Something I really like about that movie is that a lot of it is practical, mm. which means that it's done in camera. Like, there's no, like, computer effects. Yeah, yeah. Like, that whole car chase scene on the freeway, they com- they did that 100% real. I watched a video on that, um, yeah. Sick. But, yeah, so I love that. And another thing that they did is they used real guns on that set. Um, and there's a scene in the movie where Robert Pattinson in the Batman suit is walking down a dark hallway and there's a bunch of goons and they have guns in their hand and they're shooting at him. Those are That's actually Robert Pattinson in the Batman suit. And that's actually people with guns shooting at Robert Pattinson. The only difference is that there are blanks. So um, instead of bullets the, so they just yeah. make the shot yeah. and so that way number one it looks Authentic. more realistic yeah. and obviously there's time and place to use fake things because if you want to have a more like hyper realistic world then you would maybe change the look of the way the gun looks you know like Star Wars for example Yeah. but like in, in a grounded movie like that you'd want to use something real so they used stuff like that to just make it feel a little more immersive and uh, to challenge the the medium I think because um, a lot of people do a lot of things in CGI now, so there there is a place I think for for, for practicality and yeah. and having real weapons. Again, it's just there there's a place for that, and there's also a responsibility with that. And so, 
that's just the way that it it rolls unfortunately for sure do you think that um they also use real weapons for like kind of to put yourself in the situation is that part of it or not really um i that could definitely be a reason i don't know if if i was a director if i would do it for that reason just because props now can be so realistic these days that um it all kind of goes in the mix but definitely using practical stuff helps in general feel the immersion i think for the actors as well so it definitely could be and like to michael's example like the batman i think what set aside it when it comes to like an mcu film which don't get me wrong great mc like the mcu great films they're they're always really well put together but they so heavily use blue screen and green uh, green screen correct yeah a lot of like oh i want to go as far to say like 90 percent of the shots are all just green screen i mean there's some like exceptions like with like shun lee um not shun lee um you know what i'm talking about the one that just came out shang chi shang chi yeah (laughs) sorry i knew i was butchering it somehow um that one was actually shot in Japan? There are scenes that take place somewhere in Thailand. Thailand, I believe, but I'm not too sure. But I mean, to go even further with that, on the Marvel movies, like those movies are run by committees. Like they're not, they're not run by like a director per se. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they have this formula that really, really works for them, and um, it's captured a lot of people's attention. And I think that's great. It's inspired a lot of people to like film or enjoy film. Um, but it's, it is a, it is a formula. It is very formulaic. That is for sure. Um, I've grown to appreciate it maybe a little less and less over the years, but I, I still am able to look at it. I think with a sense of like, that's cool that they were able to create something like this. It's just not, I, I do, I do appreciate the effort it takes to make a more director-driven film, I think. Yeah, I, and I think that's really what set apart the Batman for me because it really was shot yeah. much like... Uh, it heavily reminded me of the Christopher Nolan Batman series, which I am in love with. I still think that is the best Batman to this day, um, but it captured that same sort of, like, real that MCU doesn't have. Yeah. And I think that's what set it apart. Like, the Batman movie was amazing. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, two two hours and forty five minutes, and I held my piss the entire time. It's crazy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like three UTIs, just insane, but like absolutely worth it. Um, yeah, no. So I, I guess all of this to say, have you killed someone on set? <laughs> like, um, what is your body count? <laughs> have Have I killed someone on set? No. Yeah. Have I wanted to kill someone on set? Yes. Oh, do um, tell. Yeah, hold on, wait a little bit of tea. Can you get with an omission of names and keeping it vague? Because I know that there may be people listening to this that I, might understand it. I think Can that. Can you reveal anything? All I will say is that the filmmaking process is a very collaborative process. You cannot make a film on your own. And with that, I think filmmaking is kind of like driving a car. You can't really drive a car with three tires. So if yeah. you have one tire that maybe doesn't want to go in the same direction or maybe he's trying to do their own thing. Um, then the, it, it gets a little tricky to drive. Okay. So that is, that is what I would say. <laughs> I like that answer. I like that answer. Do you have a lot of like, uh, like difficulties with people that have a different, uh, direction that they want to go in? Is that like common? Um, 
yes and no, because every time I work on a film, okay, I take that back. Majority of time that I work on a film with people, we are all people who have the same sort of creative vision for that project. We might have different styles. Um, Cause you know, I have a style and my other friend who directs his own short films has his own style and that's what sets us apart. But we're able to see certain projects in the same light and those are the projects that we work on together. Um, and I've met so many dope and amazing people over the past like six months that are so insightful and so creative and amazing that it's it's so fun to be able to work with them because not only am I being able to flex my creative muscles and uh, try new things for myself and, and grow better myself, but I'm also doing it with other people that I'm learning from, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's ever an opportunity where I'm not learning when I'm with these people creating because it's, it's kind of just like we're doing our thing and we're, we're doing it well, I think. What are the most like common issues that you have when trying to film or creating? Um, I think the most common issues is probably just technical difficulties. Um, there are, there, there are some times where I will be writing a script and I'll think of a really like cool shot in my head and I'm like, this shot is so important and it symbolizes so much for this character and I'll, I'll get super into it. And, uh, the day of shooting comes and I'm working with the director of photography and we're trying to get this shot and it's, and it's not translating well from my brain to reality and um, that's frustrating because when you when you spend so much time think of it thinking of an idea and like imagining how others will react to this idea or imagining how it'll look and turn out when it just doesn't even come to fruition it's a it's that's the hardest part I would say yeah yeah no I'm with you dude uh, having I, I know exactly what it's like to have this idea in your head and not being able to get it out. I mean, I've done music before. Yeah. Very much the same thing where you'll have this envision of like a, a project or the way a melody sounds or for your instance, the way a shot looks and not being able to fully get it out onto like actual when it comes time to do it to you to get that exact shot. It, dude, that's one of the most frustrating parts, I think, of being a creative in general. Yeah, it's, it is it is tough. And uh, I think... <laughs> The first hurdle you have to get over when you want to do creativity as a living, I think, is just understanding that your work has been, has, I mean, your work has never been and it never will be perfect. Um, but every time you will get better. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I've made, I've made three films in 2021 and I'm, it's it's not ill. You said uh, planning on six this year, right? Yeah, I have. Texas, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. Is um, it's not the year's not even halfway over, and I'm oh, almost ready. done with six of them. So I'm I've basically doubled in the past year, but it's only because I've I've put out things that maybe I'm not a hundred percent confident in, but I'm learning from. And yeah. I think I didn't release any in high school because I was I was making things, but every time I looked at it, I I saw one imperfect thing and. I was like, I don't want to put this out. I don't want this to represent me. But I think it, it's good to kind of put out your imperfections because that's what makes you... That's how you grow and you learn. You, exactly. you get a lot from getting out there and, you know, getting, you know, feedback. On of like of your, course, yeah. How people think of the movie. So, uh, actually, I'll transition that. Your first um, film you released on your channel. 
Sherbert Productions, which, uh, first of all, we never did an intro. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Base Nostalgia. I think uh, we did. We did a dry open. <laughs> um, we're here with Michael Scheiber. How's it going? Uh, he's been talking for the past 20 minutes. Um, this is our guest today, a uh, longtime uh, friend of mine, friend of Jasmine's. Uh, we all went to high school together. Um, he's a movie producer, uh, director, actor. He's jack of uh, all trades. Yeah. And uh, it, I mean, I've been super into your work ever since you started doing it, ever since you had all of your small ideas back in high school. Um, those were always something I was like, damn, this kid, uh, he actually, you know, is moving forward with his creative thoughts. And uh, that's why, you know, I wanted to have you on as a first guest. Thank you. I appreciate uh, but, it. Yeah, no, uh, I love what you've been doing. And so your first um, your first film you put out, I believe it was l- late last year that I, that I saw on Sherbert Production. Mm-hmm. Was it like n- November, December race car? Uh, it was May 8th. Oh, wow. So I'm we're off. actually, <laughs> we are approaching, I guess, the one... <laughs> The one year. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Holy shit. Yeah, one year. Damn, May so 8th, 2021. this will probably go out on near May. So, yeah, this will be out on the one year anniversary of race car. Yeah, that's dope. Um, so I had a few things. Um, what are the what was that like coming up with the um, with the script for that? Because it was a uh, very mind fucky when it came to it. And I really liked it because I I know you draw inspiration from those sort of films where it's always like fucking with your mind. You have no idea what's going on until the end. It kind of wraps it all together. Yeah. Um, um, I, okay. So I had, uh, so Christopher Nolan is one of my favorite directors. Absolutely. Um, I love what he does and, um, I love the concepts that he tries to bring into new light. Like he takes a concept and he kind of puts it on his head a little bit. Yeah. So it's a way you've never seen it before, you know? Yeah. Um, and I had been waiting for this movie to come out by him for a very long time and it was Tenet. Yeah. Um, and it was delayed, delayed, delayed. And I didn't get to see it in theaters. It was a very high time for COVID and no one was really sure what was going on with that. Um, but it had got released to DVD. Um, and I was, I have to watch this movie. I need to inject it in my veins like right away. And I did and I, um, I watched it and... I felt a little... Disappointed? Let down? A little underwhelmed. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> by what I had watched. I loved it. I loved the concept and I loved the just how it was presented. I just think that there was room for a little bit... Dif- uh, I mean, I here's the thing. I cannot say improvement because the amount of talent that Christian Nolan has in his PK yeah. exceeds my entire body, but... There's things that I would have liked to have done differently. There's an expectation when it comes to Christopher Nolan movies. I mean, because you look at like the grand pieces, like, you know, like the, the Batman series, Interstellar, um, Inception, all these amazing movies. But Tenet really let me down. I was super disappointed by Tenet. But yeah, um, I I watched that and I like I said, I, I liked it, but I there was things that I felt like it was missing from it and... So I had kind of just been like, well, I'm not working on anything right now. Let me just see, like, I, I want to write a time travel movie. That'd be pretty cool. Um, so it kind of pushed me to start thinking of a time travel movie. And um, I started doing a lot of research into, like, what scientists thought time travel could be like if it like it existed. And I started reading some cool stuff about that and... I started getting into like time loops and I was like, that'd be so trippy if I could 
kind of do like a time loop scenario. And I just started watching a bunch of time travel movies, man. And I just really, really enjoyed it. And I was like, well, I have to do it. And I wrote something kind of simple and I expanded upon it a little bit. And I asked my friend Dalton to be in it. We filmed it in about my friend Dalton and Malcolm, actually. Um, we, us three, and with a little bit more help, we filmed it in about three days. And I just put it out. It I thought was it was, I, I thought it was really cool. I, I really liked the concept. However, I did have some criticism for it. Okay, much like Tenet, where I, I did feel, I will say, I felt more disappointed by Tenet. Fair enough. Um, but there was one big, like part of that film in specific, your film, yeah, uh, in Race Car, that I felt was missing, and that's just a lack of going back in time and sucking your own dick. Like, what's <laughs> okay. up with leaving that out? All right, fair enough. <laughs> so you know, it's actually it's funny that you mentioned that. It's funny that you mentioned that because that was actually included in the first draft. Let's go, dude. Um, but due to, like, budget restraints and, like, <laughs> legal obligations and, like... Dicks. yeah. Yeah, like, I just... I wasn't sure how viable of an option that was, and, and so... You couldn't reveal your own cock. I mean, I, as obviously, we know. obviously, because don't want that getting leaked. And um, <laughs> I had... Dalton was really disappointed, <laughs> but I promised him if I ever make a race car too, that that will definitely that concept will definitely be involved. You'll find him the body in, in yeah. some way, shape, or form. Get yeah. it done. <laughs> exactly. Get involved. Hell yeah. There you go. Yeah. No. So I there was one, um, well, actually a few shots in that, and then also in your second film that I watched, which was Decision Day. Yeah. Um, there, uh, there's these shots that you have. Dalton in the same frame. Um, he's in both of those movies. He's starring in both of them. But um, he's there's multiple Daltons in frame. That has always been a shot that has boggled my mind on how they do it. I'm sure there's like the secret jujitsu behind it. And it's uh, definitely got to be something with editing, I imagine, I, in, uh, in post. But how the fuck do you get that shot? Because that's a blown my mind. It's actually, I like that concept of a double so much because it's really cool but it's also like ridiculously easy to get is it really it's it's actually yeah it's it's like a it's like a known thing in the industry that like this is like free brownie points if you want to like impress somebody on a really low budget um damn so i'm like the new bile level of amazement i I guess you could put it that way but um it's really easy uh you set up the camera and you don't let it move yeah. like you set it up on a tripod and you film uh, your actor doing one thing on the right side of the screen and then you have him go to the left side of the screen and do something different and then you have him step out of the screen entirely so it's just the background and then you kind of just put all three on top of each other and then just cut it cut it out a little bit that is fucking insane yeah, yeah i it, thought it'd be more complex than that That's no crazy, it is though. it is it's pretty easy actually that's why uh, <laughs> i i do love it a lot though um it is in decision day it's in um, race car and I was gonna put it in this new one that I'm filming this summer but I changed that so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that one but yeah yeah so speak a little bit to what Sherbert Productions is because that is your production company I didn't know where that name came from um, but I like it I like it a lot yeah uh, so in in middle school you know my my last name is Shahiber and that's kind of hard for people to pronounce <laughs> um, and like Super early on in middle school, I think like sixth grade, maybe end of fifth grade, honestly, so elementary school. Um, I was just tired of people messing up my name. <laughs> and so I had said, like, you know what, like, 
when I had made my Instagram, I was like, I'm not gonna do Shahiber because no one in their, like, no one in their God-given mind will be able to spell that to like find my Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So I put my name as uh, Michael Sherbert to like make it easier mm-hmm. for people to find. Um, and then after a while, I realized that is really dumb and I probably should just put my actual name. And so I did that. <laughs> um, but since then, when I was making movies, I was just like, I need something super catchy and super cool. And I remember Sherbert and I just, I like it. I get a lot. So yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool production company. So I imagine that's just, uh, like the company that you use to put out films that are fully yours, not other projects. Yeah. Or- so if it is, um, if it is something that I have written, uh, if it is something that I have written and directed, uh, it will be under Sherbert Productions. Um, I've made a couple other short films that I've directed and that I've acted in, um, that I've made with other people that is not under Sherbert Productions just because, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's involving multiple other people that have their own little brands. And so gotcha. we kind of just merge on those projects. Yeah, no, I, I like it. It's super sick. Um, I did, however, have a few ideas to pitch to you. And so does Jasmine. Our okay. editor even sent in one um, that I'll have Jasmine read out. Fair enough. Um, but um, yeah, so just like, you know, rough concepts, you know, just ideas. I've actually pitched this one to you before. But I have some more ideas I want to expand on, really. Okay. Is it the dolphin? It's the dolphin. Okay. <laughs> I heard about the dolphin. Um, yeah. So, Peter the dolphin, you know, I think that would make a great movie. I, he, so, here's the poster for it, right? It's like the Free Willy poster, except it's Peter and his penis is out and she's holding on to his his red lipstick. And she, she's just going along for the ride. And it says, Free Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I, here's the thing with the state of where we're at, I feel like that is a movie that will, could definitely be made. And it's a movie that could definitely make money. No, it won't. And I don't know. I don't know if that says something good about the idea or if it says something bad about society. Uh, That's, that's up for you to decide, but. No, so we're brainstorming this idea. I mean, we our first episode was actually just a story of Peter the Dolphin to intro it, like dry open. Okay. And I was like, I, I fall in love with that story. I'm like, dude, actually, because when I first told you the story, I told you before the podcast was even a thing. Yeah, you told me on the phone. And um, I like jokingly said, I was like, let's make a movie out of this. <laughs> called me, called me up at like 10:30 at night. And I'm like, why is Ian calling me right now? And I pick up, and he just pitches me this movie about a dolphin and some doctor lady that <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised they haven't made a documentary about that it's no documentaries just a few newspaper articles and then an official statement by NASA <laughs> so wow it's legit it's just not it the the liberal media is shutting down all avenues of free speech all right seriously seriously <laughs> we can't get a goddamn film about Peter <laughs> Um, yeah, no. So that was my idea. Uh, Jasmine has sort of a crossover. Yeah, Jasmine, just like go ahead. Same universe type thing? Or? Oh. That's a way to put it. Go ahead, Jasmine. Take it away. So, I don't... Do you Have you ever, like, tried to do any cartoon stuff? That, dude, I've actually thought a lot about wanting to do maybe, like, an animated short uh, sometime. I think it'd be really cool. That would be so dope. I feel like that. It's definitely... 
something different. Well, no, don't 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 skirt around your pitch. Yeah, let's, let's what, what's let's your pitch, hear it. Jasmine? Let's hear it. So, <laughs> okay, Madagascar meets Shrek meets what it what was the movie called? Like a fairly odd parents with the crossover that they did with Tim uh, with uh what Jimmy Neutron. Uh-huh. You remember that Nickelodeon yeah, yeah, yeah. special? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It was like that. the OG Avengers Endgame. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So like a Shrek crossover with Madagascar, <clears throat> but the idea of um this is the end. You know that movie with all the yeah, comedians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they, Seth Rogen and James Franco and all that. Yeah, and they're all on the island, and then all of a sudden, Ice Cube is in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like Ice Cube, the one that did the show about blackface back in the early 2000s, that, that Ice Cube. Yeah. I was going to say the Ice Cube from like, are we there yet? Or like, are we done yet? But... Yeah, which generation of Ice Cube <laughs> yeah. are we looking at here? Um, we can have like a whole, um, we can do all of them. Just like a multiverse movie, but with just Ice Cube? And, like, and different, and different versions of Ice Cube across the multiverse? Yes. So... I didn't really get to think about it all that much, but I feel like elevator pitch, yeah, yeah, and then a little, maybe a little bit of over the hedge. Okay, all right. All the classics. I think the rights would be kind of hard to obtain. Over the hedge did kind of flop at box office, <laughs> so you know, there's a good chance. Yeah, I mean, we on the last or yeah, last episode we were talking about how Shrek is just a crazy concept. What is your what is your opinion on Shrek? I really like the Shrek movies, actually. Okay, I think yeah. the second one is the best one. Oh, no, they're, they're great. Don't get me wrong. I love them. I watch them all the time. But have you ever thought about the concept of what it took in the writer's room to get Shrek made? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I mean, yo, <laughs> so remember all these weird fucking nursery rhymes? And also, like, some short stories that we all know as a kid? Let's animate them. Have... Like, have all of these famous actors play them and create an insane storyline that doesn't track at all. But it's goaded. It's goaded. It's like an acid trip if you ever watch Shrek. It really does feel like an acid trip. If you mixed all the best foods in the world together, like, it shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah, exactly. It's like Doritos and ice cream. It's like, you don't want it to be good. I don't know if it's like Doritos and ice cream. (laughs) That shit hits, let me tell you. Okay, well. Okay, so I I got another idea. So it's like dystopian Earth, right? Nice. Um, but now, like humans are like obese, right? And they're all died, and we just left Earth behind, right? So Wally, fuck you! <laughs> no, 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 no. no okay, okay, okay. Let me do it. Let me do a different one. Um, so it's like Ocean's Eleven, right? Nice. <laughs> like a like a, a bank heist. Okay. Right. Except you're you're, it's more psychological, like. It involves like a few like doctors, but they're also badass. And like maybe we get, um, oh, what's his name? He played in La La Land. Um, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. Right. He's like he's like the lead actor, and he's leading this team of elite people. But instead of robbing a bank, they're they're planting ideas in people's minds. Oh, okay. And they like go deeper and deeper to the point where it's just like so like fucked up. And then and, it, and once then, it gets really crazy, you could call it like an inception or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh-huh. You know, just a rough idea. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I think I we, think we put it. Gosling in there and we <laughs> we make millions, man. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just pump it right into the factory, MCU style. <laughs> um, okay, what's that editor's editor game? Because I know he sent 
he sent a um, he sent a pitch in. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Uh, okay, a French man named Eagle who had a dream to fly after he seen the ghost of Kiev Kiev save the world from World War Three. Plot twist. He's paralyzed, so make a wish teamed up with Elon Musk to build a VR headset to experience a flight. That sounds like, you know, when you feed the robots and it's like, create an original sentence. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like an AI-generated yeah, sentence. Yeah. Holy fuck. <laughs> it's, like when you, it's like when you spam the middle button on your keyboard multiple times. Yeah, it's like when you hit it over and over again. Yeah. And then... So, oh, there's more. Wow, there's more. So, I didn't even finish that sentence. Damn. So, Elon Musk to build a VR headset to experience a flight simulation with an Ivy bag full of LSD attached on the side. Eagle spent his last day flying like he always dreamed of. It's oh. pretty pretty yeah, complex no, uh, I, so I think we it, didn't proofread that one <laughs> that one I think that concept is too ahead for our time I think yeah, maybe I think so. uh, we're not ready for something that I don't know what he's smoking but I want some of it <laughs> that was that, definitely not a sober thought that's insane okay yeah so those are our bad ideas um, what are yours what is the worst idea that you had for oh movies? that's a good question that's a good question Okay. Like the, just, like what is you, the worst idea? Doesn't even have to be goofy. Just one that is just like realistically like just bad. Like you thought of it and then you're like, ooh, I want to punish myself for how bad this one was. <laughs> Jesus I, Christ. I don't know if I've ever... I don't know if I've ever written anything that bad. But I would say that... Oh, God. I, there's just like so many that are coming to my head right now that are kind of just like... <laughs> I don't want anyone to know that that was an idea that came from my brain. <laughs> well, it's a reason why it's bad, you know? Exactly. This is not your reflection. You get to look back on how atrocious your own dick-sucking script that it's that you had to cut out of films. I, I wanted to make this really weird avant-garde film about cavemen. <laughs> but, like, the whole movie, they never... Sp- spoke any English <laughs> so like but there was like no so it was like a foreign film but like a foreign film that no one would like understand but it was like it would be so avant-garde and weird that like that concept would carry it <laughs> but I just I didn't I mean I wrote like half a page and I was like I mean what do you write about this you know <laughs> what's that one film company that's like French based and they make the really weird disturbing films it's a production company. I can't remember what it's called. I don't know. But they're like really disturbing. They're always in like black and white, and they're they're just like weird. Like they'll like take mushrooms and then they'll just like sit down and write these movies, and they're weird as fuck. Are you thinking of like the Lighthouse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, that yeah, that's the director Robert Eggers. He makes some some weird stuff. Some bro. weird fucked up. He shit. made he made yeah. the witch. I don't know if you've seen The yeah, Witch. Yeah, I've seen The Witch, yeah. He made Lighthouse, and he just put out a new movie called The Northman, which is in theaters now. I just saw it. The Northman Fantastic is a really good movie. Fantastic movie. I was, uh, was kind of turned off to how much promotion they were doing for it, but there's a fucking reason for it. Dude, like, it it's a great I film. would even go as far as saying so far it's it's the movie of the year. Really? Yeah. I haven't I haven't seen it yet. I've just seen a lot of like super cuts of it and I like started illegally downloading it, got like thirty minutes in, and then it like cut out. Yeah. It's good, it's good, it's really good movie. 
Yeah, no, that one looked insane. Um, so your craziest idea is cavemen's cavemen, but that's not my speak. craziest idea. That's my worst idea. That's your my worst. craziest idea. I'm gonna keep to my chest. Okay, okay, oh. all right. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, so your second film um, was uh, Decision Day. Yes. A little bit of a shorter film compared to um, Race Car. Yeah, five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. Um, what was the idea of that one, I, I know it's a pretty, it's a relatively simple concept of yeah. just, you know, you have it, you have this big moment in your life that you need to make a decision for it, And then eventually you just put it off. Yeah. And uh, I, that's honestly the perfect way to describe it. I like at the time there was a bunch of decisions that I had, uh, been faced with and I found myself sort of, uh, putting them off. Yeah. And I thought that I wanted to make a film about a kid who it's his final day to decide something. I mean, um, something important, something that's going to affect the rest of his life. And it's, it's more of a heightened reality where every time he comes close to making a decision or every time he wants to make a decision or thinks about making a decision, he distracts himself with going kind of into this other world. Cause like there are things that happen in decision day that would never happen in real life. Like, yeah, um, his mail moves on its own by the wave of his hand. Yeah. Um, he puts toothpaste and the toothpaste is somehow a note. <laughs> yeah. Decide. He sees multiple versions of himself in his living room. And so the way that I interpreted that was when we are faced with difficult decisions, we also put ourselves into this, into our own world to kind of distract us and to make us feel more comfortable or to make us not think about things. So, yeah. um, the character in the film kind of does the same, you know, he kind of just pushes it off and doesn't want to think about it. But at the end of the day he does. And sometimes we're not strong enough to make the decision in the moment. You know? Yeah. It did feel like a very self manifested film. And that's why I liked it a lot. Cause it was very like, almost like raw in a sense where it wasn't, there wasn't too much where like with race car, you know, you, you had those crazier shots, but you also had a super, um, extrapolated on concepts where you kind of like, you know, got freaky with it. But this one was just very much simple and it hit. It, yeah. it hit really well. I, I really enjoyed that one just as much as I enjoyed race car. I think um, you could probably agree to this because, you know, you, you make music and I think it takes a certain, it takes like a hot minute for you to find your style, I think. And, um, you know, I made race car and I really liked it and I made Decision Day and I really liked it and I started writing this other one and it kind of was vastly different from Decision Day and Race Car and I realized that I think what I like better and what I feel most comfortable with and what I enjoy putting out the most is kind of my style and I think my style is taking a very basic human emotion and adding a cool concept to it and yeah. seeing how well they mix together I think is really cool and really interesting like with you know, decision day, we just talked about that, but race car, for example, um, when I wrote that film, I was kind of in a headspace where I felt like everything just kept going wrong. Yeah. Um, and so I just kept hearing this advice of like, everything happens for a reason, everything happens for a reason. And so I wanted to write something about how even the things that we feel that our mistakes or things that we feel are going wrong in the end, they're meant to happen for a reason. And so that kind of was a metaphor in the time loop of that. Everything will work itself out, whether it's good or bad. We have no control over that. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, first of all, just great films in general. Um, 
but I was always curious. I, I know your casting has been kind of limited, at least those two films, um, to, you know, your friends. But I wanted to know, hear from the horse's mouth itself, yes. what is your casting process like? Do you try to, or at least with your other films that you've done, do you look to find people to play the roles that you feel will encapsulate them best? Or do you just kind of throw your best actor at it? Um, so if you had asked me this question about a year ago, I would have answered this very differently. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I've grown and learned and gained new experiences. And I think it kind of depends on the script. Mm -hmm. Uh, if I'm writing a script and I want to write it for a specific person, I will write it for a specific person. You know, I'll write the character in a way that I feel like they could play, um, or they could play that character I wrote a film coming out um, soon, hopefully. There's no set release date, but hopefully this summer. Um, it's in post-production right now, but I had written that film for uh, two good friends of mine, and they were able to, to hop in was, and, and help me out with that. So that should be out soon. I'm excited for that. But yeah, so I guess it kind of just depends on the process. So most of the time, though, and I think more recently, I've been kind of just writing what I feel feels personal and then I will find the actor eventually yeah um, and I'm doing a lot more casting calls and more auditions and sitting through those and kind of just finding the perfect person is, it's a process but you don't really know who the perfect person is until you see them you know yeah and as of right now at least for those two Sherbert production films that main person has been Dalton Mofrad yeah of Mofred. course Mofred um which Jasmine, you know, uh, we both know from high school. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I wrote this really dumb comparison that you, I, I well, I had a dream about you and Dalton. Okay, all right. <laughs> and I was kind of telling Jasmine about it, and she's like, "You gotta save this for the pod." <laughs> but it was um, you and Dalton both took over the personality of Borat. And you guys were walking around school, kind of like Tweedledum, Tweedledee, except both just speaking like Borat. And you guys, there was this section of the dream where you guys were sitting on a table looking at each other, just saying, my wife, my wife, okay. like back and forth. Nice. And it was really fucking weird. But in a way, I feel like it's almost a perfect encapsulation of your guys' friendship. Yeah. You guys are just Borat. Yeah. <laughs> we are Borat. Yeah, um, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, what is it called? Um, Same. Fuck no. Like, uh, fuck. Good. Uh, what's the word? Analogy. No. Like you should make that. Like a good pitch. Good oh, pitch. oh, another. That is another a good pitch. movie pitch, actually. Now that I think about it, you guys yeah, should do something like that. You get Dalton movie. and Michael both possessed by the spirit of Borat. And make a movie about it. Do you do you do any like comedy or have you thought about doing comedy or do you just like to stick to your more personal and um, more deep? I thoughts? think I've certainly written comedies. I just think that I I've never felt confident enough in it one of my comedies to produce one and I don't know if and, th and that's just a combination of like sometimes I feel like it's not very funny or sometimes I feel like it's not giving off a certain message that I want to give and I think 
Our comedy is harder to film. One hundred percent. I was going to say one hundred percent because it's kind of it's like with at least like stand up routines. You know, you gotta know your routine by heart. You gotta make sure you have the right inflections with it. So capturing a funny moment I feel like is so much harder than doing it's, it's very hard to plan a funny moment because yeah. a lot of times laughs come from the unexpectedness of things yeah um, so if it feels like you're leading into a joke it's it's very bland and it's very stale it, um, it, so I, it's, it's tough yeah and I feel like comedy is really especially I mean the whole era of Seth Rogen Jonah Hill James Franco all those movies I feel like they're now ironically good because because yeah. of how dog shit the comedy is it is like like pineapple express i think is the encapsulate encapsulation of just bottom tier humor that is funny because of how bad it is yeah there's there's definitely certain comedies for certain times i think like there's some that are just hilarious there's some that are hilarious unintentionally yeah and so in my eyes filming a comedy is that would be something like at least a good one would be 20 times harder than making some nuanced film where you try yeah. to pitch a new character emotion, you know, it's you extrapolate on that. It's hard because it's it's harder to write a comedy than it is to write a drama, but it is harder to film a drama than it is a comedy. Oh, mm. yes, that's a good way to think because about it. Because a comedy, you need wit in the writing, mm. and that's hard to get. Um. In a drama, you light it differently, you execute things differently, you're also conveying different emotions. When you're doing a, a comedy, a lot of the emotions come through the dialogue. And so when you're doing a drama, a lot of the emotions have to come through the visuals, mm. I think at least. Yeah. Um, of course, there's always gonna be sad dialogue that it's gonna make you cry, but I think a lot of that has to do with the atmosphere. So yeah. when you're making a drama, you have to set the atmosphere for a drama and you have to set an atmosphere for a comedy. I like that way of looking at it. Um, so you're, um, actually I'll lead into this. Um, what made you want to become a movie director, producer, um, head of photography? Like what made you want to go in that direction? Cause back in high school, I knew that you were really into acting. You, I mean, you did it really well. I worked on a few projects with you in high school doing plays and stuff like that. Seeing you work, it was really fun you seemed in your element but what was that moment for you where you were like this is what i want to do like Um, was there some sort of inspiration behind that kind of i think you know i've always been into movies because my mom's always showed me a lot of movies she's a very big like movie person yeah um and then i my favorite movie of all time is spider-man 2 um by my favorite direct yeah it's starting to mcguire favorite director sam raimi um, you changed my mind on that film, by the way. Yeah, it's it's. it's we had a conversation. I was pretty hard set that 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 film was dog shit, but I have come to love it because of our DM conversation. Yeah, I I, I really enjoy it, and I when I was a kid, I would like play the DVD, and I would see every ounce of like the special features and stuff like that, and I came across like a director's commentary, mm. um, and a director's commentary is, is kind of just like they'll play the movie uh, with low audio and. Instead, the director and a choice, a guest of his choice, will talk over the movie, talking about, oh, th- like if they see something like, oh, remember when we filmed this and blah, blah, blah. So I would listen to a lot of his uh, director commentaries on films and stuff, and it really got me into it. And I was just like, I have to do this. Like, this this has to be the thing that I do. And yeah. Push me down that path, I guess. That's really cool. 
That was actually super cool. I never knew it came from Spider-Man too. Because yeah. I always saw, um, even in the way that you acted, I always saw you being a, a, a big actor. I genuinely did. I was like, this guy gets pussy and he knows how to <laughs> fake cry. Like, <laughs> dude, he could go places. I, I, I really like acting. I think it it's fun to like be someone else mm. for a little bit and be able to tell a story through another lens. Yeah. So it's, it's really fun. So... Jack of all trades, Michael Shahiber here. I have one actual film pitch for you. Okay. And less of a film, but more of a collaboration that I, me, our team would like to do with you. Okay. Um, this is news to Jasmine. I think I, I told her once, I've... but it, this is a kind of new, but I really do love this idea. Uh, kind of as a skit like an ad that we can put up on TikTok and YouTube, that sort of thing. I've been obsessed with the idea of doing a skit with my friends. So let me give you my elevator pitch for this. Okay, go for it. Um, so it opens up. Me and Anthony are driving in the car. Kind of like an impromptu, like it, it's like the behind us. They can't, we got a good shot from behind us, good shot from in front of us. And we're discussing how lesbians have sex. And how, like, we think that guys are have a real dumb approach to it and, like, what they think. And as we're saying our thoughts, you know, like, I say to Anthony, I was like, yeah, like, all men think, you know, lesbians do is they look at each other with a dildo in one hand and a pocket pussy in another. And they just mash them and, you know, they just keep on going. And then it cuts to a scene of Jasmine just doing that. So as we're saying our ideas on how lesbians have sex, it's also being portrayed by Jasmine. And then we go through a few different variations of that. And then at the end, we're like, oh, but yeah, we definitely know how lesbians have sex. And then it cuts to like our own fucked up version of how lesbians have sex. Okay. And That's cut. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the idea of you looking in a mirror, mashing a pocket pussy and a Why dildo together. Why do you together. like that idea? Because I think it's really funny to do that. I think that is uh, a bit of humor that I don't know if... We can. I, I think I really we can like do it. I, mean, I, I think we can do it. Speechless. I'm speechless. And I'd love for you to direct this and have your name on it. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, if I if I directed this, we will be using alias. We can we can workshop it. We can we can workshop it. Yeah, let's scrap the whole thing and start again. Yeah. Well, um, I definitely do want to end up doing a skit with you, directed by fun. you. Um, Definitely something more comedy driven, but yeah, no. Um, but for right now, um, let's kind of uh, wrap it up and have you uh, kind of talk about your future projects that are coming out and uh, where people can watch them. Because I know a lot of people, at least people that I've talked to from high school, didn't have any idea that you were doing films. Yeah. <laughs> so I've pointed a few people to where they can find you before. But um, yeah, no, if you want to kind of close it out here. Um, Tell us about your projects. All right. Well, uh, I've been doing a lot of cool work. I've been acting in a couple things. Um, got a new a new short film that I acted in called Young Boy was just released about a month ago. Um, that's on YouTube. Uh, it's on Matt Chi Films, the channel. Um, I'm doing another acting. I'm, I'm acting in another short film uh, called Hidden Above. Uh, that should be out soon, um, and I'm not sure where that will be, but I will. It'll be on my Instagram. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I'm filming this one over the summer that uh, I've written this script that I think, to me personally, might 
be the best thing I've written. Can you kind of give us a little teaser of what that storyline is going to be? Some sweet, <sighs> juicy meat. What I what I can tell you is that it will be a roller coaster of emotions. Okay, so a little bit more on the drama side. It is. Dan? It is. I'll tell you this. I'll, this is what I'll say. My favorite types of movies that I like to make, and I feel like is as I said it before, it's becoming my style. As I will take a basic human emotion emotion and add a little twist to the concept to it. Yeah. And that is what I'm doing with this upcoming one that I'm filming this summer. Um, I'll be casting auditions. I'll be um, doing a bunch of things. We're going to have a bunch of different locations. Um, super excited. I think it's not only going to be the best written one I've done so far, but I think it's going to be the best shot, hopefully. Hopefully, um, it's just going to be great. I'm really excited for that, and that also will be on the Sherbert Productions YouTube channel. Are you planning on submitting any of these to um, any film festivals? Have I would, you thought about that? I would submit this upcoming one to a film. You to a would? Film. Okay. I am going to. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm really excited. I think it's going to be... Uh, it, it, uh, it It's very emotional. And I think it, it it's about brotherhood and kind of what that means and yeah. how brothers can support each other in times of need. I like that. I like that. Well, I mean, man, it's been awesome talking to you. Uh, I think we filled the full hour here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, you guys can find him at Sherbert Productions on Instagram. I'll tag him in my story in the upcoming days and when this uh, comes out. Um, but yeah, uh, just kind of wrapping this up. I'm, we're going to say fuck the guest real quick for a second. A little update on the pod <laughs> and what's going on. Um, so me and Jasmine have been big sicky bears recently. Uh, we got the COVID. Um, Anthony's been um, excommunicado for a little bit. I'm not sure when we'll get him back on here, but he will be coming back soon. Jasmine just recently uh, tried to play fucking Asphalt 8 with her car, did a barrel roll. So, you know, she's also going through it. But uh, we'll try to have uh, another episode up by next week. Um, but, yeah, thank you for being here, Michael. It's thank, been awesome, Thank dude. you for having me. I, I loved talking to you guys, and I loved catching up. It was pretty fun. But, yeah, at Sherber uh, Productions on YouTube, Instagram, and, um, yeah, I'll link all this shit. Thank, thank you. you. Thank